What's up, champs? Welcome to a special episode of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast, a twice-weekly amuse-bouche between Brian and my mega show every Sunday. Uh, I say my because I'm here, Elon Dubrovsky. Jeremy, Shams, Lewis have been holding down the fort for a while now, but, you know, such an exciting day of fantasy news. Felt I had to come in. Well, no, obviously, the, uh, Jeremy and Lewis weren't able to make it today, but I'm really excited to jump in today to get, you know, first crack at all of these exciting trades. Well, actually, not all of them, because Jeremy and Lewis covered a bunch of them on Tuesday. But since then, we have a whole whack more. And so I'm going to be going through them with my guest for today, uh, regular Short Shifts co-host at this point that everyone knows and loves, Shams Benamore. Shams, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Talking about uh, going over trades. It feels like we basically have a whole trade deadline worth of trades to talk about today. And we'll see what's happening Friday. But honestly, it's still, I forget what it is. I think it's like double the amount of trades that happened this year versus like a year or two ago. So if you think it's happening a lot, it is happening. Well, yeah, who's even left at this point to get traded? Like, I know Klingberg's being held out of games. Like, you know, I think most of the big names uh, have gone at this point. I don't know. There's, uh, well, we'll talk about him later, but maybe JT Miller? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it seems like every status changes with him, and you got Besser. You got, like, a couple of the, like, Ryber. Yeah, there's a lot of the people that were, like, you had to wait for the grade A people. So like when the Canes, the Tarasenkos, the people got taken, the people that didn't get them now want someone for themselves. So kind of the B and C tier people. It's not as exciting, but uh, hey, it's sometimes the uh, the random person, like I don't think everyone was drooling over Toffoli a few years ago and he ended up probably winning some fantasy leagues or at least helping you through the playoffs. Yeah, or Arturi Lekkonen last year for sure. But hey, but we've got the we've got the good stuff. Maybe like Brian and I will be left with some of the the dregs on Sunday. But champs, we've got a lot to get to. So let's probably just jump in. I think that the biggest trade today is one we've been waiting like a year and a half for, and it finally happened. Jake, Jacob Chikrin on the move from Arizona. They it seemed like they were going to be holding out for like you know multiple prospects and picks and all that. In the end, the Sens basically. What, what did they pay? A first in 23, a conditional second in 2024, uh, a second in 2026, which still like is wild to me that they even go that far. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of tweets that I've been seeing today have been like fans of other teams being like, wait, that's it? Why didn't we just trade for a chicken? The, the Oilers paid more to get Matias Ekholm. But hey, whatever. The Ottawa Senators all of a sudden, like don't look now, but not only is this an exciting trade for them for the future, because Chikrin's still under contract for two more years, but the Sens, after beating the rangers today five to three they're like right in the thick of a playoff race like did pittsburgh win also today because uh, i know they were five points behind pittsburgh i think they won in overtime also won. well that's frustrating because I've, I've decided i'm back on the bandwagon i'm a huge sense fan now go sense go but as far as fantasy goes obviously the first thought that came to my mind was okay is chikrin gonna jump onto the top power play and bump thomas shabbat didn't happen not today Anyways, Shabbat still played on PP1. Chikrin and Jake Sanderson both took spots on the second power play, but played like less than half the time that Shabbat played. So as of now, and obviously things can change. This is just the first game. Chikrin like literally just got to like New York in time to, to play this game. They haven't even had a practice. But if things stay the same, my take would be this is kind of a hit for Chikrin in fantasy, right? But maybe it's too early to like say that since we don't know what the deployment will be once they've had some practices. Um, the way I'm thinking about it, I'm with you, is that even without the power play time, what I feel like is that 
once he gets a little bit more into the team and whatnot, and not literally just show up hours before and need to take a nap in the hotel just to, before he could even decide if he's able to play, is that this team is scoring, well, obviously it's easy to score more than Arizona, but they're scoring more than a lot of teams right now. So just being on the ice for the 5v5 time, he's just going to be in a position to just get so many more points in general. So maybe he might not be in a position to get like the hits in the blocks or whatnot he was getting before because the team was getting caved in, but he's going to get the better stuff, the goals and the assists, just because he's going to be there you know, to bring Cat, Drew, and all the other good players. Yeah, that's a really good point. Maybe more even strength scoring, even if he doesn't necessarily get the power play. Today, uh, only one shot. He did have five blocks. Uh, I think now could be... Well, it's probably past the trade deadline. I guess we can't be giving advice anymore about trades people can make. I was going to say maybe now's a good time to reach out to the Chikrin manager and be like, oh, well, his value's tanked. Uh, I'll give you, uh, I'll take him off your hands for pennies on the dollar, but uh, probably it's too late anyways. But yeah, I do agree with you that I think that he's going to have some big games. And I'm also excited for the Sens. I think that they are... We're like a defenseman away from potentially being able to be like a strong contender to at least make the playoffs. And so I think it's going to be a fun run down the stretch. Uh, also, I think this pretty much ends the possibility of Cam Talbot being traded. Like when back when it seemed like Ottawa was going to be sellers potentially, then Talbot's a UFA at the end of the year. But now that they're going to be chasing a playoff spot, and obviously you don't just trade for Chikrin and then send away your number one goalie with Forsberg injured. So I think, uh, you know, I was excited about Mad Sogard when I saw some rumors about Talbot potentially being on the trade block. But now if you added Sogard, might be good for a spot start but i think that talbot is going to be your guy and anyone who has him is probably pretty happy at this point that he gets a little defensive help finally oh yeah i'm with you in that boat like there might be a situation is that like i think uh, most of us are to say but that we never really trust talbot that much so maybe he might lose starts but like we'll have to see that happen before doing anything but uh, he's not perfect but i'll take him any day at this point yeah, like I'm definitely not. Yeah, I, we're, we're totally on the same page. I'm just saying like Sogard is not like the starter now, like he would have been if Talbot's taken away. But yeah, obviously there might be stretches as we go through that maybe people start wondering if Sogard should get more starts. I guess they'll have to see. Uh, went pretty well today for the Sens over the Rangers. Uh, the next big trade, we don't have a game though, unfortunately. Very frustrating, but we have Tyler Bertuzzi being sent to the Bruins for picks. And, uh, you know, that is a team that's already super scary in Boston. They already acquired Dmitry Orlov early I guess this was already like last week, and uh, Bruins just destroyed Buffalo seven to one today. Orlov, all of a sudden, by the way, becoming a scoring machine, a goal and two assists in the game today. It's like seven points in, in four games now. I think uh, he's definitely enjoying his time with the Boston Bruins, and yeah, Boston already so scary, and now they're bringing in Tyler Bertuzzi. Though, of course, it is at least for the regular season, to replace Taylor Hall, who's been put on the LTIR, and Nick Felino's also injured. So maybe if you think of it that way, it's like not much of an upgrade. But imagine come playoffs, if Hall's healthy, uh, you know, Bertuzzi comes in. It's just another piece to this already pretty stacked team. Yeah, so like my first guess was uh, the third line, basically just kind of where the Hall was. But um, there is something to keep in mind of. I don't know if we have an update, but it was... The team was leading by a lot, so it may have just been for safety case, but uh, Marshad actually did not play the third period. So it could be some mix-up of whatnot, of maybe having different lines and whatnot, where Bertuzzi might be paired with Bergeron or Pasternak or whatnot. But either way, in the end, I think if a fully healthy team, I think it's just going to be a situation that's probably like the check line, it's been working fine, and like the... One line with uh, Marchand, Bergeron, and uh, Dabrowski has been going off. So I don't think you really want to tip those off. So it's 
probably just going to be third line and maybe power play too. I'm not even sure who's on there, but uh, in the end, it's going to be one of those situations where it's oddly a downgrade, probably. Like, even if it's a better team, like, just the lack of opportunity, like, you're not with a Larkin caliber player in um, most of the time going to be on the third line in Boston. Yeah, and it'll be like less ice time. It's not like in Ottawa where we were talking about with Chikrin, where it's like, yeah, like maybe he won't be on the top power play, but I'm sure he's going to play a lot. Like if Bertuzzi's on the third line in Boston, he's not. Though like in the last game in Detroit, I guess we can't really look at the most recent games because maybe they knew that they were going to be trading him. But there were times where Bertuzzi was playing among like 18 to 20 minutes a game. So yeah, that could definitely go down. He's already been a pretty big disappointment this year, like for only 14 points in 29 games. So he might be available in free agency. And I think I'm with you in the long term. He's not too exciting. But like you say, like the Bruins, also definitely have the playoffs all clinched at this point probably first in the conference clinched or very close to it so maybe you know there's no reason to rush Marshawn back like if he is actually hurt even just a little bit then maybe he stays out for a little bit and then, yeah maybe Bertuzzi gets an audition on the top line with Bergeron and DeBrusque and that could be really good in the short term so yeah if Bertuzzi's available in free agency that could definitely be something to look at they're also potentially a top power play spot available I know he was really good on the power play in Detroit like in the net front spot and uh, one thing to close out I was thinking the same. You were probably thinking the same. Sadly, with Bertuzzi out, this does not change anything with Verana. He did not even get to play today. So I'm at the point until Verana plays like five games in a row and gets a goal at each game. I'm just pretending he doesn't exist. Yeah, it was interesting when he got called up. I thought, like, maybe he'll do something. You know, he used to be good in previous years for fantasy when he would play. Like, I don't know if he was good in real life. Like, obviously, his coaches sometimes wouldn't give him much ice time. But he seemed to get a lot of shots and points in the ice time. Like, his points per 60 were always good. It was just that per 60 was the the obstacle. And now he's barely getting any time at all. So, yeah, you got to forget about him. Uh, Detroit lost today 5-4 to Seattle, and I saw that Dominic Kubalik was getting the spot on the top line with, with Larkin, and I guess who else? I don't even remember now. Someone else who's good. Oh, uh, uh, Lucas, Raymond. Lucas Raymond. Oh, Lucas Raymond's back. Well, that's exciting, um, though uh, Kubalik didn't do anything in this game, so no points, even though Detroit scored four times. Actually, the four goals uh, for the Red Wings were scored by Berggren, Adam Ernie, Ben Sherratt, and Jake Wallman, <laughs> so it wasn't exactly the game where you were getting the... You, when you see four goals from Detroit, you expect that you're going to get a lot of points from your studs, but Larkin got an assist, Zadina got an assist, and it's pretty much all people who are in my free agency and all my leagues aside from those two. Oh, no, I've said it before in, uh, I think, previous shows, is that... Uh, I basically look at the Wings forward group, basically the same as Seattle, is that other than Larkin, they're all basically the same kind of guy that has the same ability of doing something. Like one day it could be Perron, one day it could be Kubelik, one day it could be Fabry. So at this point, instead of playing whack-a-mole with Wings forwards that are not even guaranteed to get a point anyway, I'm just basically staying away from them unless there's a special case where streaming makes sense. Yeah, no, I hear you. And now, by the way, speaking of Detroit, we should also talk about their defense, who, like, even before, uh, it was getting a little bit tricky to to figure out, like, who to add on this team, like, aside from maybe a cider, though he'd been cold lately. And now, all of a sudden, they've traded away Philip Horonic. He goes to Vancouver in a deal where Detroit got a first and a second for Horonic. I didn't realize he was that good. You're a Wings fan. You tell me. Like, to me, this feels like a steal. And also Vancouver. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. It's 100%. I love this because I think someone said, like, I didn't do the match, but effectively, it's the only difference between this deal and the Chicken deal is I think the Chicken deal has an extra second round pick. 
And I've been reading some of the, like, you know, how I read all the tweets. The uh, Vancouver media is having a meltdown of saying, like, why the hell are we doing this kind of trade? Why do we want this kind of player? Why are we giving up the first that we got for Horvat? So you're effectively trading part of the Horvat because it was the first round pick he got for him for this. And, like, Verodic's basically a good defenseman on a bad team. So, like, he was the guy that you trot out. He was a good soldier. He ate the minutes. He did the things. He had some, like, good stats at the start of the year, but I think it's, like, Corsi numbers and whatnot are falling off. But, like, on a good team, he's not a good defenseman. But, like, if you just need someone to eat a lot of minutes, which Detroit needed badly for the last few years, he was a perfect kind of guy to, but to get this kind of return. Hell, even if we were going for it in the playoff run, I would be 100% by this trade. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the Canucks are doing here, I guess, but uh, they're excited to get Heronic. And so I know like Vancouver does need defense because they got like OEL and they got Tyler Myers and they really haven't worked out well for them. Uh, so we'll see how Heronic does, but I'm not uh, banking on too much. Uh, in today's game, for what it's worth, Jake Wallman got second power play. And like I said, he did score a goal today. So maybe someone like him gets a bit of increased value if Heronic's out of the picture. Um you know, cider less at risk of losing his top power play for whatever that's worth. Yeah, 100%. It, this is a addition from subtraction because in the previous three games, it was a weird three-headed monster of like, it was effectively cider having a little bit more time on the power play than uh, Aronic and Wallman. Or it's like, so it was almost like a, say like 40, 20, 20 kind of split. So now with, um, Herodicon, you could actually have just that 20% feeding bin between those two, so both of them get that power play bump, and also just getting just a better situation overall. I'm not sure if you haven't had the chance to see it. I know this is an audio podcast, but look up Wallman's goal that he got today. He has some offensive flashes. He got an extension. I am 100% on the Wallman train. I don't know if it's going to be much for fantasy, but it's going to be an interesting thing to watch going forward for maybe uh, something to take a chance on in your deep dynasty leagues or something, because I think he's going to be something big in Detroit's plans. Interesting. Okay, yeah, well, I know he just got that contract extension, so he'll he'll be around, maybe someone to look at in like, the last round of your drafts next year. Uh, apropos of nothing, I'm against Kirill Kaprizov in a playoff matchup in my dynasty league, and this guy's very good. He keeps scoring goals. It's very frustrating. Uh, I saw that Minnesota just scored to make it 2-1. to one. He had already scored the first goal. And I just thought to myself, it's going to be Kaprizov, isn't it? And then I looked at it. Of course, it's Kaprizov every time. And Ryan Hartman with the assist. So anyone who jumped on him at the right time, that was smart. Hartman back on the top line is, is very interesting to me. So I know that wasn't even planned for the show, but I saw this Kaprizov goal, so I just had to say. Well, one thing to add is there's still... Uh was it 12-ish hours? I'm not sure. 16 hours until the uh, trade deadline is finally done, but it looks like they haven't done anything. Like, maybe, like, you could have guessed maybe a Domi or they tried to get a center or something to bump up their value, but all so far, I think it's the goddess Marcus Johansson and did a couple of cap deals, so uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be trying to find anyone to replace or if there's even a center around that can bump Hartman off, so you might be safe, like, trying to sneak him in. I'm not sure how his weeks goes now, but if you have a position to sneak a pickup and fit him into next week's games, I don't think you have to really scare about him getting bumped off. And obviously my bad for jinxing the big trade that's going to hit a random center, but we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I don't think that there's anyone really left. Uh, though you brought up Max Domi, who got traded to Dallas. So I guess we could bring up his deal next. Domi and Dylan Wells, who's a goalie, I believe, to uh, Chicago for a second. And Anton Hudobin, which is clearly just a cap dump there for Hudobin. So basically, it's just Domi to uh, Dallas for a pick when, when you put it all together. And uh, Max Domi now becomes pretty interesting because he's having like such an amazing year, like a career year for this guy. Well, I guess he already had his career year back in Montreal all where he had 72 points but he's doing it again this year uh 49 points in 60 games with 67 point pace with chicago i saw a tweet from mark lazarus saying he's confident that domi's going to re-sign with chicago in the offseason just because it was like such a great fit and it's it's been great for domi right because it was looking like his career was kind of going down like you know teams were like not that interested in signing him so chicago gave him a shot and he did well but in the meantime domi goes to dallas and like i'm interested to know like what does this do for domi's fantasy value because while he won't get on the top line, clearly, uh, there are other open spots, right? Like you look at today, so Pavelski hints Robertson, and then Sagan with Delandria and Mason Marchment, and then Dodonov, Ben, and Wyatt Johnston, who's like a high pedigree prospect. But you could see like a Delandria or a Johnston getting bumped and maybe Domi like gets into a spot that could be kind of interesting. Maybe a second power. Like, I don't know. It's hard for me. I'm saying all this just to try to make it sound good at the same time. Like I do kind of feel like probably his value goes down, which is kind of weird considering he's going from Chicago where we assumed like everyone would be nothing. Uh, But it's hard to imagine him being like a 70 ish point player. Like he's been so far this season, like just so far down the depth chart, but curious to get your thoughts, Shams. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm with you because especially now with Kane gone, like, after the CU, maybe, and Tyler Johnson were going to be made. Like, I'm not sure who's even left there that would have been his line mates in that situation. So, basically, assuming that they don't uh, pair Ben and Sagan together randomly, Domi's going to be with one of them. And, like, while they're not perfect, they're much better than a after the CU. And then, possibly, like, they do have, like, a Marchman on one line and, um, the name of the uh, the rookie that you were talking about or the young guy Wyatt like, Johnston yeah, yeah Wyatt John- like they still have like some quality there and then possibly PP2 time like I think this is going to be the situation where like before we were talking about the second that Cade's gone you basically give up on Dobie now I think the idea was just to kind of caveat it's effectively done but the trade hasn't been done but either way I think this might be a situation where you actually hold him assuming you could fit him in your lineup to see how it goes and it might actually be pretty okay depending on who you're going to have as your options to pick up like if you're in a shallow league and you're picking up like decent players anyway sure but like you're in a pretty deep league it might be a situation like a 14 teamer you might not find someone better than like a domi with a ben that's just lying around waiver wire yeah, I mean, you might be right. Like, Domi might actually just be good. Like, I, you know, I'd sort of given up on that and figured, like, okay, I liked him because he was playing with Patrick Kane or whatever. But I think he's kind of shown that he's got something. It's not as if Kane was having the most amazing season. Uh, he, if he's going to bump someone, by the way, from the second power play, it's going to be one of, like, Sagan, Dodonov, Marchment, or Wyatt Johnston, which I guess maybe Marchment or Wyatt Johnston could get bumped. We should mention Dodonov, though. He's played now three games with Dallas, and uh, he just got his third point. Uh, assist today in this game against Chicago. So not too shabby. If anyone was uh, jumping on Dodonov going from Montreal to Dallas so far, so good. I doubt he's going to be point per game moving forward, but a nice little run for him. Oh, yes. A streak to ride because, like, I'm not sure if he did any more, but if I remember correctly, he's having, like, multiple one-shot games. So it's going to be one of those situations where you're riding that point streak, and if it looks like it's drying up, you're going to get absolutely nothing. Personally, I hate those kind of players, but... 
in your points league or where you're like maybe not getting as much value out of shots as like I am in my leagues. Something to watch going forward. All right, so we still have a bunch more trades to get to. Like this is, might be a long trip. I'm good. I'm trying to keep it short here, Shams. We had a lot of uh, chit chat at the start that maybe was a big mistake in hindsight, but you know I don't get to talk to you very often. But okay, let's take a break. Then we'll come back with like a bunch more trades that are all very interesting. So we'll be back in just a sec. You're listening to short shifts. All right, we are back. It's me, Elon, and Shams breaking down the trades from the last couple of days. Uh, the trade deadline is tomorrow, but it seems like most things are done, like we discussed. But next up, let's do another defenseman here. We talked about Heronic being traded. Uh, how about Shane Gossesbeher going to the Carolina Hurricanes for a pick? And Gossesbeher, kind of like Max Domi, actually, who we just talked about, someone who maybe it seemed at some point like his career was kind of over, or if not over, like his time of being someone that you care about in fantasy was over. But this has been a pretty solid season for Shane Gostas Beher, especially at the start of the year. Things were really clicking when he was playing with Chikrin and they were both on that power play. Uh, lately, like not as great. Well, he was injured and he came back two points in four games since returning from his injury. He was taking some shots. Anyways, it was kind of disappointing to me that because I have uh, Gostas Beher in a couple leagues and he was not on the top power play in Arizona when he came back from his injury. Valimaki was holding that spot. Brian was kind of explaining to me on the Sunday show that he thinks it's just because Arizona had no reason like they, they'd rather just see what they have in Valimaki. So whatever. Don't need to read into that anymore. Gossiver actually did get a point in each of his last couple games and he took five and four shots. So anyways, now he goes to Carolina and I worry this is kind of like what I was saying about Max Domi. Like I, I wonder if just like all of a sudden now he's going to fall down the death chart because Carolina is not Arizona. Like, I don't know if there are 20 minutes plus a game for Gostas Beher to play, considering this is a team that's got Brent Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pesci, Jacob Slavin. So you could see Gostas Beher as like third pairing. I'm not sure if he's getting a power play spot. So not to be a downer about every single player who's been traded, I'm a little bit worried that this is a downgrade and maybe he loses most of his fantasy relevance at this point. So I got some good news for you. There was a quote from Brindamore about Shane Goss's there. And one of the things he brought up was, we know he's got an offensive uh, player. So they know that that was kind of a part of his game. And same idea with uh, the way I look at Chikrin. Even if he's not getting all the minutes, that 5v5 group is going to be great. And then to add the cherry on top, we should be able to slide him in the power play. So it's probably not going to be the PP1, but the thing that I might be worried about, this might be the situation that Brady Shea might be losing his spot, and then he might be coming in, and then, like, forget who's on, but, like, you could probably make an argument. I know Keller's great, that, like, Carolina PP2 is probably on end when you add everyone up better than Arizona 1. So you might be in a position where you're happily fine with. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's also the minutes. Like, there's the players you play with on the power play, but it's also just the time to, you know, accumulate those power play points. But I guess we'll see. So you're saying there's still reason for hope with Gostas Bear. Uh, it's very exciting. Like, all these teams in the East just really loading up. Like, oh, yeah. Boston, we just talked about looking so good. Like, Carolina also, like, such a scary team already. Now they just added an extra defensive piece. It's almost like Carolina's, like, falling by. Oh, you only got Gostas Bear. Normally, that would be, like, a successful trade deadline. Now it's, like, compare that to the Rangers, who got like Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko and yet still couldn't beat my Ottawa Senators today. So I don't know about that. 
that, but anyway, but I guess Halak was in that, so I don't know, not that, uh, like you guys have discussed on Short Shifts, not that Shesterkin has been that good lately. Anyways, I'm clearly off on a tangent here. Uh, Carolina is a good team. They do score goals. So you're right, it might just be that Gosper like benefits, like we said with Chikrin, like benefits from being on the ice for more goals just because the team is, is stronger. So we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, let's go to L.A., who uh, I guess did Jonathan Quick dirty, according to some people. I'm personally not one of those people. I feel like they gave Jonathan Quick many opportunities to take the net this year, right? They started him as a start at the start of the year. Uh, You know, after they sent Pete... Cal Peterson down they gave quick lots of opportunities but he just couldn't do the job so anyways not to throw a you know a hit piece here on Jonathan Quick but just saying I was surprised that people were like how dare they trade him it's like LA is looking good and now they may be looking a little better because they've swapped Quick for Eunice Corposalo and Gavrikov so a solid defenseman and a goalie who's been really good this year in Corposalo Uh, again now to pour cold water I kind of feel like Corposalo was actually looking really good as a fantasy option over in Columbus because he was doing so much better than Merzlikens. Now he goes to LA where, you know, they've already had Phoenix Copley doing pretty well. And like, I'm not saying that I think that Copley's better than Corposalo. It might just be a situation where they just go 50-50 and it'll be a battle and it's really hard to predict uh, who's going to be the starter. So it makes me wonder now if you have Copley, do you even hold him? Uh, like LA's playing Montreal today and Copley got the start. He stopped six of seven after one period against Montreal. So we'll see how this turns out. By the time you've listened to this, you'll see if Copley flamed out or not. Uh, but yeah, it might just be 50-50. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of losing interest in both of these guys, which is a bummer because I've been really riding Copley. I added him in all of my leagues when he got called up and I felt like a genius for so long. And now it's like, ugh, now what do I do? So I've been giving a lot of silver linings, uh, but this is not going to be the time that I do that. I have a feeling that I'm with you on this because i I don't think anything has been officially announced, but I think the feeling is is I think they play Saturday next, and I think Corpusalo's basically has been said to get that game. So Which makes sense. You don't trade for yeah. him just to leave him on the bench, yeah. And then in that situation, and you traded quick away. You're doing a major thing. You're not doing all of this to just have Corpusalo like just sit on the bench for like eighty percent of the games. So I'm leaning to your logic until we see something differently or the coach expresses something. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit later about uh, Vegas's lot set up, and I think I'm going to look at differently there. But like here, until something's said, I am with you, and I think this is going to be a split, maybe at best 60-40 or something, but not great for either. Yeah, I think that it's going to be tough to hold an LA goal. It'll be like kind of like last year when they had Quick and Cal Peterson. They were sort of like, well, there was a stretch where Quick was getting a ton of starts, but there was also a stretch where it seemed like 50-50. And so, you know, in a lot of leagues, you don't really want to hold a, a goalie if he's not getting volume. Uh, and also, it's not as if like Copley, like Copley was great because of the volume. Like, it's not like he was putting up like sterling numbers. You got a lot of wins at the start. So yeah, unfortunate, but good for LA. Like they're going to go for it. And the West is not stacked like the East, as long as they could avoid Colorado. I think there's a chance they could go on a bit of a run. I guess also if they could avoid Edmonton, that might be good. Uh, by the way, speaking of Edmonton, I should mention uh, Matthias Eckholm played his first game. I know that on Tuesday, the short shifts guys, not including you, Jeremy and Lewis, were talking about you know what's going to happen on the power play because they traded away Tyson Barry. They picked up Eckholm. Uh, so we've got one game of data so far. And in that game, it looks like they were going two defensemen on the top power play for some of it, Bouchard and Nurse 
played a bit together with Hyman, Dreisaitl, and McDavid. Then also Bouchard played by himself for a bit with McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So it seems like they're still going to now be tinkering with with what they're going to do with the power play. I guess one thing we learned is that Matthias Ekholm didn't get a shot on the power play. And I guess Edmonton, you know, they didn't need help on the power play. Like, that's not why they brought in Ekholm. They needed just some defensive help. And Ekholm, hey, but like you said, like just being able to play on a team that gets points, uh, you know, Ekholm without the power play still picked up an assist in that win over Toronto. So I could definitely see him maybe getting a bit of an uptick, maybe being like a 40 to 45 point guy, even just with, uh, you know, 20 plus minutes of even strength time on Edmonton. And even though he's not a power play guy, he still like has some offensive abilities. He's usually been around a 30, 40 ish point guy for these past few years uh so at home becomes kind of interesting to me in deeper leagues of course the people who are like rushing to get bouchard thinking that maybe now is his opportunity to basically pick up all those points that barry has been getting probably still something you want to do but also well i don't know i guess he was on the power play actually it was either two defense or one defenseman so no okay i'll retract what i'm saying like bouchard definitely you want to go get right oh yeah i'm with you it's just maybe not like to the mood eccentric about it and also like Keep in mind, I think they may have just been like like safe and whatnot. Like we all know, if there's a team that exemplifies the blender for their lines, it's Edmonton. So there could be a completely different makeup, and we're only talking about one game. So I wouldn't put too much stock. But the thing is, is we know he's going to get more power play time definitely than before. So good with him. And then also to add to Ekholm, it was only one game, but I did notice it was nice. Is that if I remember correctly, he had a decent amount of hits and blocks as well. It was against Toronto, so an offensive team, so they had to play a little bit more defense. But that is something that was going to be nice, is that if he keeps that up, then you have that like stat for, depending on if you're in a baggers league, that that plus those, hey, I'm playing with McDavid points, those two together, could be a nice, you know, your third or fourth defender that you got off the waiver wire that's going to be a nice get that you picked up as a streamer, but end up just holding yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Two shots, three hits, two blocks in his first game. And, you know, he hasn't even built any chemistry yet. So, yeah, Ekholm is good. I mean, the Oilers paid a lot for him, apparently more than Ottawa played for Chikorin. So they're going to give him a lot of ice time. So I think, yeah, he's someone I would be interested in adding if you're in a multi-category league for sure. Uh, so, okay, what should we do next here? I guess since we're at Edmonton, this is like the least fantasy relevant thing in the world. But we should probably mention that Connor McDavid is very good. And he's apparently on the verge of breaking the record for, well, on the verge. Like, he has to do it. But, like, uh, he's, like, one game away from having the most ever multi-goal games in a row. And, like, all the people ahead of him on the list, it was, like, two guys that I'd never even heard of that played in probably, like, the 20s or something. Like, it's, like, uh, McDavid is, like, making history again. He's been so insane recently. So, uh, you know anyone who drafted him can you imagine if you were like you know galaxy braining this thing going into your fantasy drafts you know last year in a lot of leagues in the cupful austin matthews had more fantasy points per game than Connor mcdavid last year so i'm sure there are some leagues where people were just taking matthews first overall because they were going based off of that and you'd be kicking yourself now because mcdavid just hit 50 goals like it's nothing like i always thought of him as like a big points guy not necessarily someone who's going to win the rocket richard trophy but now he's running away with it Oh yeah, it's. I think I remember there was like, you know, there's going to be draft talk, and you need to be talking about something. But I do with you that like, with last year, with how Austin Matthews was playing, there was a little bit of talk. Luckily, in the uh, couple, I was lucky enough to get the first overall pick, and I didn't galaxy braid it. I just went with McDavid, so I'm getting to enjoy this. But if I remember correctly, even without getting another multi goal game, he's already done something that hasn't been done 
other than five times in the century. We're talking about 100 years. So, like, he's already done a massive feat. And he has the potential to break the record. But, like, five games of two goals, oh, yeah, it's just amazing. Like, there's one, one, just one stat to just kind of tie it up. Um, I don't know now with the Toronto game that happened yesterday, but I saw a stat that McDavid had, oh, was it 21 three-point periods, if I remember correctly? And they combined it with William Nylander that has done that feat 21 times, but it was three-point games. <laughs> wow. So just to think, and everyone loves Nylander. I'm not sliding Nylander. It's just to show how just bonkers McDavid is going off on top of an already great career. Do you think it was like he was watching the World Junior Championships over the holiday and everyone was talking about Bedard and people were saying like the next McDavid and he was like, okay, let's cool our jets a little bit. I'm going to show you what the real McDavid can do. Let's not be too excited about this, uh, Johnny, come lately here. So maybe that's what it was. Uh, but okay, so we were talking about the Kings and acquiring Corpusala. We should probably mention on the Columbus side, if you need volume... Like Elvis Merzlikens is now the starting goalie on Columbus. They just traded for Hutchinson, which to me is the definition of a goalie that you want to stack up players against when that goalie's playing because that he's probably going to let in a lot of goals. Um, I want to say no offense, but obviously I do mean offense, but that's just been my experience with Michael Hutchinson. I still remember that year that Colorado was looking so good and then all their goalies got injured and they were playing Hutchinson in the playoffs. And I was like, well, better luck next year. And, and they did have better luck in the following year. But anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Elvis Merzlikens is the clear starter, just like we thought he would be at the start of the year. I really thought that like Elvis was going to be the clear starter and Corpus Allos was like, you know, almost done. And now Corpus Allos sold the job, but now, yeah. So Elvis, we'll see. And he's had a couple good games in a row recently. So I think if you need a goalie and Merzlikens is out there, definitely someone you should be grabbing before it's too late because there aren't too many starters usually available in free agency. And he's definitely out there in a lot of leagues. I'm 100% on board with you that like Hutchinson is that wording side of just like, we got a number one starter. The one thing, and this is just like me just like tinfoil hatting the situation. They are tanking right now. So maybe later in the year, if it's getting a little tight, you might be seeing Hutchinson a little bit more than probably the logic we would say. But I'm with you that most likely, if you're not going to go down the, uh, the big brain plan, that you're going to be getting Merzlikens most of the time. And I mean, I think they could lose games with Merzlikens. I don't think they need to like, you know, worry too, too much about going on a huge run with uh, Elvis Merzlikens, who has an 879 save percentage on the year. I think he can be better. He's shown us that he can be better. But uh, yeah, but now he is there, like basically only option, at least until, you know, at some point, they're going to have Tarasov come in and challenge, but not this year. That's what they brought Hutchinson in for, I guess. Uh, okay, and then I guess to continue with this trade, uh, we have Quick, who went to Columbus and then got flipped to Vegas for basically nothing, but you know, Vegas is obviously taking on that cap hit. And I guess it makes sense because Vegas just can't keep a goalie healthy because Leonard is hurt, of course. Brossois is hurt now. So, oh, Thompson is hurt, of course, uh, which means that Quick, at least for the short term, is maybe going to be sharing the net with Aiden Hill. I would be shocked if Quick could turn things around. Like, it's goalies, so, like, they're very unpredictable, and who knows? And, like, I've already been seeing people on Twitter, like, salivating over a potential Vegas versus LA playoff series where Jonathan Quick is playing against the Kings, which would be very cool. But uh, I really would just imagine that Jonathan Quick is seems like he's done. And I, I, it'll be, I'll be very surprised if he's going to be someone you're going to be interested in grab. Maybe a fun spot start for, like, his first game with Vegas, but not someone that I think is going to get volume or anything like that. 
So we're lucky in this situation. We actually have a couple of quotes from the GM. So first step, he did actually drop a nugget saying that he does expect Logan Thompson to return at some point in the regular season. So I don't know if that's going to matter in the fantasy playoffs, but A, that's good news because we didn't really hear much about that. And then B, they're saying um, basically risking Aiden Hill getting injured was not a risk they were willing to take. So the idea was, is that with Bersois already hurt, they were just being like, basically how we're talking about Hutchinson, they didn't want to be the ones that actually had to play Hutchinson because they actually want to win games. So their idea was, oh crap, Hutchinson's our second. We have to find someone to be our second. Anybody's better than Hutchinson. Let's bring in quick. <laughs> it's basically the fives I got. But if they're not wanting Hill to get hurt, that means that Quick might get some games. So this might not be the case where you're thinking like, wow, now Aiden Hill. Like my, my initial thought would be Aiden Hill is now, like ever since Brussels got hurt, I was like, well, now Hill's going to get all the games. Maybe it is smart for them to be like, we have to play Quick like half the time or close to half the time just to, because, uh, you know, Aiden Hill hasn't been the most durable guy himself. So, you know, a lot of these situations, obviously Brian and I will do a show on Sunday where I'll just talk about all these same topics again, but we'll have a little bit of data at least and we'll get Brian's takes. Uh, but yeah, I'm curious to see how Vegas will run their goals because it's not like Aiden Hill is anything special. He's Aiden Hill. Uh, anyway, uh, should we mention, since I'm talking about Vegas, like their lines have been somewhat interesting just in that, like I should say, Barbashev's been on the top line with Eichel and Marsh. So I think the last time I talked about Vegas, it was Paul Cotter in that spot. Uh, so Marsha, so, or sorry, so Barbashev did have an assist in the last game, his second game with Vegas against Carolina. So, you know, nothing too special, but it's it's a good spot to be in. So if you're like, streaming Vegas, actually, also, if you're listening to this on Friday, Vegas plays Friday, Sunday to end the week, and you probably are full on Saturday. So maybe if you look at your roster and you see you have a guy on Saturday sitting on your bench, if you drop him for Barbashev, you could get two games from someone playing with Eichel and Marshall, So it could be worse. Oh yeah, as someone that has Barbashev, I picked him up in our uh, shared keeper league to the buffle. So then that league, it's basically the waiver wires pick dry because everyone's knowing what's going on. So basically, there wasn't many juicy targets, but I did take him because of the four games. I got him in early in the week. So it is nice to be with Eichel, but something as a word of warning, he's literally getting zero power play time. Not even power play two, just zero power play times, so you are literally just picking him up the Eichel exposure, which does have its benefits. He's getting more to play on the penalty kill. So just something to keep in mind during your leagues. If you have like power play points as a set or whatnot, you're literally getting zero equity from Okay, so that's good to know. So yeah, maybe not the most high upside pick. I also didn't mention, by the way, when we were talking about the Oilers, I should have mentioned that they got Nick Bjugstad in a trade from Arizona who I know you're shrugging and saying like, who cares? Probably you're right. Who cares though? This is Edmonton. This is like the team that puts guys like Fogel and I don't know, McLeod, you know, like there there's, you never know when someone's going to get a shot to play with McDavid or dry like Yamamoto has been there. And like, not that any of these people have really been doing anything with it, but Bjorkstad has had a decent enough season with Arizona. So definitely not someone that I'm saying rush out and grab, but if you're, you know, Smart, you're following at Game Day Lines or going to GameDayTweets.com often to see Shams and my uh, retweets of the lines. And like, if you see that Bjugstad is going to be playing on a McDavid or Drysaddle line, like, and you have a spot that day, I'd give him a shot. 
you never know. So throwing it out there that Bjorkstad is going to Edmonton. But I don't even need to ask your comment on that because I, I could tell from your shrug everything. I guess another one that probably you're just going to shrug, Mikhail Grandland was traded to the Penguins for a pick. And uh, maybe you might be thinking, oh, I wonder if he's going to get a spot on one of the top two lines with Crosby or Malkin. Like, no. So we saw some practice lines. Third line, uh, you know, so not too exciting. And any value he had in Nashville probably goes away because he's also not going to be on the top power play, clearly. So now it's just a depth center. And I can't, like, a lot less interesting to me than, like, a Max Domi. You know, even, like, I think Granlin has basically lost all of his fantasy value. 100% on board. Like, you're, you guessed right that I have no interest in Bukestad. I'd probably take Bukestad just for the chance of being with uh, McDavid, maybe in a line change versus Granlin. Okay, man, I, I was trying not to do a long shift here, but there's a lot we have uh, scheduled. So I'll just like kind of run through the rest of what we have on this list here. So Evander Kane played his first game for the Rangers today. So I think we owe it to uh, the listeners to at least report on what happened here. Like I've already mentioned a couple times, Ottawa beat the Rangers 5-3. to three. Patrick Kane uh, ended the game with no points, but four shots. He got a lot of power play time, not as much as Kreider, but he definitely did get a lot. I guess I could also bring up the Rangers lines here. Oh, really I have that for you. So the nice thing is, is that he is with the people you thought. He's with uh, Trocek and Aaron and even, and then it's uh, the power play. The major one was Cade, Zibetajad, Kreider, and Panarin. So while he had only four shots and no points, he is going to be put in a situation to get points. So I'm just going to ride this and like basically well as we joked before is that your trade deadline's already probably passed for fantasy but either way i would be perfectly fine with uh, the setup yeah it seems like it'll be a good spot for him interesting tarasenko not on the top power play today he did score a goal and he had a goal and two assists in the previous game versus philly so after a cold start with the rangers tarasenko starting to heat up really quickly uh kane versus tarasenko if you could only uh, have one who would you take for the rest of the year I'll flip a coin. I'll say Tarasenko, okay. but yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll vote Kane just to keep things interesting so someone could let us know who won that one. Uh, <laughs> Pierre Engvall got traded from the lease to the Islanders and then he was practicing on the top line the last time we saw uh, some lines tweeted out. Uh, Engvall was playing on a line with Horvat and Anders Lee. So, I mean, they've tried some other players there and they did nothing and things switched a lot so definitely kind of like with the Bjugstad thing like it's definitely not something that even if he is on a good line I'm not like rushing because things could change quickly also he is Pierre Engvall but if you need a streamer top line players are are good generally that's something you want to look for you were talking I believe at one time I forget if it was in a discord on the show of like hey Matt Martin might be something if you're in a league that you were considering picking up Matt Martin because he was here I would look at it the same way if Give Engvall a shot. Maybe, well, I'm not sure there's going to be many people rushing, so maybe you might even just let the game play and then just see if it's happening. Because, like, Holdstrom was up there, and he literally blew it within the first, like, 10 minutes and got benched. So maybe just see how a game happens. Maybe pick him up mid-game and then just uh, after a little bit look. Because I'm not sure there's going to be many people jumping on him like the other trades that we were talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely not too excited about Engvall. I don't care what line he's on. Uh, how about this JT Miller news? How he was like injured and then they tweeted like earlier today even, was it? Or yesterday like that? He's week to week. And then all of a sudden now JT Miller's playing in this game against the Wild. Maybe he should have stayed out because he currently has no points, no shots. 
in a single hit and we're like halfway or no we're now two periods down so i don't know like hopefully he's okay i uh activated him in one of my leagues and had to drop someone so i would really hope that he's 100 it was exciting to see him back i will see what happens it's just a weird thing i mean he's jt miller like i know you mentioned that he might be on the trade block seems like i don't know like are vancouver like paying some team to take miller and that big contract or is it like they're expecting to get picks and like a lot of prospects for jt miller like, i wonder what is his value right now even to other teams with an eight year what is it eight million per year contract sitting on him and the kind of like a season where he's been okay like uh, in terms of points but i know he's been getting a lot of crap for some of his other play oh no i'm with you that doesn't make sense but there's a person i trust is shada goldman has been hitting a lot of trades lately and she was the person that's been kind of but not saying it's like gonna happen, but has been saying there's interest. And we know that logic is not always in line with some of these GMs. So someone may have missed out on a Kane or a Tarasenko is like, I need my big gun to win. And maybe that's how it's happening. But it's just something, if there's going to be a trade that happens for Friday, this might be it. I'm saying like, like a 10% ch- like it's not zero, but I'm not saying it's going to happen. Yeah. Anyways, people listening to this will already know if it happened or not. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, Shams, this has been so fun. We've definitely gone long. I, I feel like we didn't take too long on each on each topic, but I guess, yeah, it all adds up. We still had some more things in the list here, but I'll just save it for Brian and I on Sunday. Like Rupe Hints is on an incredible streak. Dawson Mercer's on an incredible streak. We had some news about Markstrom potentially getting starts. Schmaltz might be injured, something to watch for. But yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Medium to Long Shifts, as we might have to rename it. Uh, I'll just read the credits here super quick as the outro music starts to play. Uh, yeah, like make sure you're subscribed to the podcast podcast um, you know you're going to be getting uh, my matchup maximizer podcast sunday morning where i'll be looking at the schedule for next week then a mega show where brian and i are going to break down all the trades and try to figure out like who's gained and lost the most value for your fantasy leagues uh check out gamedaytweets.com shams is doing an amazing job uh you know keeping the content coming uh we even added now stats tweets which we are, are included in the player news uh so you know we're always adding features but yeah the player news also if you didn't catch it now you could like search per player so if you know you're recording a podcast and you're like who was what was jacob chicken traded for again you can just search for chicken in the player news and then you get all the latest tweets and you know everything you see there is going to be like reliable and you don't have to worry about like who wrote this thing because it's like you see the actual tweet from the beat writer and shams and i only retweet people who we trust uh you know verified beat writers of teams uh yes yeah, so that's gamedaytweets.com uh thanks so much to pat roach for his awesome theme music that he made so long ago and it's still a banger i love this was the music shams that we used for the almanac when brian and i did our those two years of those fantasy quote-unquote almanacs audio almanacs i guess we called them and uh yeah now we're uh, using that music for short shifts and, and i love it it's playing right now uh, and then John Reed is our digital media producer. John messaged me just recently saying this is a very long shift. <laughs> and uh, thanks you, John, for that. Uh, it's like, you know, John's like, the, you know, when you're a comedian and you're doing your set and then all of a sudden the red light is flashing, like you got to get off the stage. I felt like that was John's message. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.